What's up, y'all? This is John Lawrence with Anesthesia Guidebook. Before we jump in with today's show, I just want to give a shout out to the Providence Anesthesia Group in Spokane, Washington. I met with their team over Teams, Microsoft Teams, at the end of April to talk with them about improving their skills as clinical preceptors. We had an amazing time, and I'm stoked that y'all are investing time and energy into becoming better clinical educators. As I always say, being an expert CRNA does not automatically translate to being an expert clinical educator, and this group of CRNAs reached out to have me come talk about uh, clinical education and how to improve those skills as being a preceptor. It's definitely two distinct skill sets between what we do as CRNAs clinically, and then how we educate the next generation of CRNAs. So I'm stoked that y'all are investing in this, and I'm honored that uh, Providence invited me to speak with your team. So nice job on that. And of course, always shout out to the Zags uh, over at Gonzaga University, some of whom were also on that call. I was also recently invited on the podcast Time Out for Anesthesia through Graphium Health. Host David Henderson and I talked about Anesthesia Guidebook, the roots of this podcast, and trends in healthcare and anesthesia right now. So and generally, it was a great time. Many thanks to David and his team at Graphium for the opportunity to talk about healthcare with y'all. And I will drop links in the show notes and on social media to that show if you want to go check it out. So what's up with this show? This episode is going to be a quick rundown on the C and NCE exams for SRNAs. So this is the practice board exam and the actual board exam to become a CRNA. We're going to blast it. We're going to hit an overview of each exam and some tips on how to be successful. So team, I got to level with you right off the bat. You will not have a more difficult exam in your path to become an anesthesia provider than the CRNA board exam. Anesthesia school is one of the hardest things you will ever put yourself through. It is a gauntlet of exams and papers and clinical and projects that seems to at once go on forever and also flash before your eyes. All of it, all of the hard work and effort and time and energy you're gonna put in points to one singular day, the day that you will take the board exam. So there's two key points that I want you to hear right at the start, and they are that the C and NCE exams are incredibly challenging, but you can totally smoke them if you put the right kind of time and energy into preparation, and we're going to talk about how in this podcast. It's hard to say how difficult anesthesia school and the board exam actually are. The closest representation that I've seen to what it's like to go through anesthesia school and the board exam is the 2012 film Psalm by Jason Wise. Some of the most dedicated, obsessed people. So there's this diploma called the Master Sommelier Diploma. It's the highest achievement you can make uh, in the world of wine. Over 40 years, there's only been like 170 in the world. Boom, that's right off of the trailer that you can watch online. So this is a documentary that follows a handful of guys studying for the Master Sommelier exam, which is a written and practical exam. In their case, the practical is a tasting exam to be certified at the highest level of wine expert in the world. The film is enthralling. It captures the depth and breadth of information required to be a Somme, as well as the skills, the sheer ability to taste wine and explain what you're tasting, like the variety of grapes in the bottle, the region they were grown in, even the specific farm and the year that they were harvested in, 
down to the weather characteristics of that year. Like if it was particularly warm or rainy or humid that season, these folks can pull this knowledge out of a random glass of wine in a blind taste test. It's, it's remarkable. Uh, they program this vast array of didactic and practical knowledge into their minds through endless hours of studying and practice and drilling, which you see in the film, uh, which, you know, plus or minus the wine sums up anesthesia school pretty accurately. You can rent this movie for four bucks on Amazon Prime, and I would highly recommend that you get a handful of your classmates together along with a couple bottles of wine and go watch this film as soon as possible. Wherever you are in your anesthesia journey, if you're getting ready for school, if you're in the middle of your program right now, or if you're towards the end and you're getting ready for boards, take a couple hours one night and go watch this film. It will get your mindset right. It is liquid motivation for the task set before you. Well, maybe that's the wine, but the film is digital motivation anyway for what you're going to be up against. All right, so let's get to it. Let's talk about these exams. There's similarities and some key differences when we compare both of them. For starters, the C is optional. NBCRNA, the Board Association for CRNAs, does not mandate that SRNAs take the C. And that's the SEE exam or the self-evaluation examination. Many programs do require that their SRNAs take this. And I'm going to talk more about that here in a minute. The NCE, however, the National Certification Exam or the legit board exam is the board exam, it's required to become a CRNA. So both are timed, computerized, adaptive tests, which mean the difficulty is gauged to the real-time performance of the test taker. When you get hard questions correct, you're presented with harder questions. If you start missing difficult questions, the test presents you with easier questions. With the C, you have to take all 240 questions on the exam, regardless of how well you're doing. You take the whole test. The NCE, however, is a minimum of 100 questions, and it will shut off at any time after 100 questions up to a maximum of 170 questions once the test taker has definitively either passed the exam or failed. I'm going to give you some stats on how SRNAs do with both of these exams in terms of scores and how many questions people take on just a minute. Uh, but both exams have time limits to them. So the C is 240 questions and you get 240 minutes or four hours to complete the exam. So one minute per test question, which doesn't sound like a lot, but most SRNAs actually complete this exam in just under three hours. So about two hours and 54 minutes is the average. Out of the 6,300 SRNAs who took it in 2020, only 27 SRNAs did not finish the C within four hours and it shuts off. The NCE will range from 100 to 170 questions, and the time limit is three hours to complete the exam. Now, I couldn't find the stats on how many SRNAs failed to complete the exam within three hours. NBCRNA posts stats about both these exams on their website. You can go check that out. Uh, it's likely that everyone does answer all of the questions in the board exam, given how high the stakes are on the board exam. So if you're running out of time, you know a lot of people probably just zip through and try to answer all the questions as fast as possible. Now, the NCE actually includes 30 questions that are not graded towards your score. NBCRNA puts these questions into the exam in order to run statistical analysis on them and validate them or improve them for use on future board exams. You won't know when you're going to take one of these non-graded questions. They are not necessarily the first 30 questions of the exam or the last 30 questions. They could be scattered throughout the test. 
I just told myself that all of the really difficult questions I saw on the exam must be these practice questions. <laughs> so I didn't psych myself out during the test. Uh, the only problem with that is that there were way more than 30 really difficult questions on the exam, you know, but uh, I don't know, for at least the, the most challenging 30 questions, I always said, well, those must be the practice questions. So, uh, but the point is, is that there's really a minimum of 70 questions on the board exam and a max of 140 graded questions, even though you're going to take a minimum of 100 questions and a max of 170 questions. Both exams are super secure and each have a process associated with them in terms of how you register and where you can take the exam. So let's unpack that briefly and then we'll talk a bit more about what's on the actual exams. So you can only take the C if you're actively enrolled in a nursing anesthesia program. You cannot take it after graduation as an additional prep for the board exam. It must be taken during your program and you can technically take it as many times as you want. It costs 250 bucks, and your program faculty will create a registration for you through the NBCRNA. Then you're going to log on to the NBCRNA's website, pay the registration fee. Then you can schedule the test at a Pearson View testing center. So scheduling actually goes through Pearson View. This is the same process that's required with the NCE. The main difference, of course, is that you have to have graduated from an accredited nurse anesthesia program before you can register to take the actual board exams. You actually have to be done with school. You, of course, have to have a clean license as a registered nurse and be in good standing with your program to take either exam. And the real board exam costs $995. And it must be taken after graduation, but within 90 days of when your program director submits your authorization to test and the NBCRNA verifies that you were board eligible. So there is an expiration date on this. There's a window. You can't just keep putting it off. You have to take this test at some point. So let's talk about what's on the exams. Both tests utilize the same four categories of anesthesia-related information, but emphasize different percentages of that content on their respective exams. So the content domains are basic sciences, equipment, instrumentation, and technology, general principles of anesthesia, and anesthesia for surgical procedures in special populations. The C presents equal number of questions in all four categories. So you're going to get 60 questions from each category split evenly as 25% of the exam for 240 questions total. The NCE, however, is comprised of 25% of the questions from basic sciences then 15% from equipment, instrumentation, and technology, and 30% each from general principles and anesthesia for surgical procedures in special populations. Both exams also have content outlines available on NBCRNA's website that break down the four categories in more detail. So for instance, basic sciences includes three subcategories, which are anatomy, physiology, and pathophysiology, pharmacology, and applied chemistry, biochem, and physics. Those are the three categories. And then these subcategories are broken down even further with more bullet points. So for instance, under pharmacology, the content outline lists 43 different classes of drugs, which include the obvious ones like inhalational anesthetics, sedatives, and paralytics, but some others are anticoagulants, antimicrobials, herbal remedies, dietary supplements, and intravenous dyes. So clearly, you should take a look at the content outlines and make sure that your study plans include time spent on every bullet point for the content outlines. It's the closest thing you're going to find to hints about what's on the test. 
And on that note, each exam also requires exam takers to agree to a confidentiality and non-disclosure agreement that the NBCRNA takes very seriously. Basically, you should plan to not discuss, reproduce, blog about, do a podcast on any of the specific exam questions. Otherwise, there are serious consequences that the NBCRNA can invoke as a breach of contract with that confidentiality and non-disclosure agreement. So I know you may want to help your classmates out by talking about what you saw and what they should prepare for, but it is definitely not uh, condoned and it's definitely not worth it if you get busted for that. So just plan to be on full on lockdown about the C and the NCE in terms of what's actually on the test. All right, so enough about that. Both exams present questions sequentially and once you answer a question, you cannot go back and change your answer. Both exams will include a brief tutorial on how to navigate the exam at the start of the test and include a brief survey at the end of the exam that you've got to answer before you're actually released from the exam. And there's actually a free NCE slash SEE exam tutorial on NBCRNA's website. And it will give you practice questions on anesthesia content for each of the exam question types, which I'll mention here in just a minute. So you can go take the NBCRNA exam tutorial and it looks very similar to how the C and the NCE will look in terms of the exam layout and how to navigate the test. And then you'll also get an idea for each of the question types. These include multiple choice, multiple correct response to where you have to select multiple answers as part of the answer, calculations, drag and drop, and hotspot questions. And then with each question type, the exam may present associated graphics and video as part of the questions. Both exams are offered through Pearson View Testing Centers. That's the most common place to take these exams. Now, due to the pandemic, the NBCRNA authorized some universities and U.S. military bases to also offer the exam in the same secure format as at a Pearson View Testing Center. But for the sake of discussion, I want to give you some tips on taking these with Pearson View because that's how most people are going to experience the exam. So once the NBCRNA authorizes you to take either exam, you're actually going to schedule the exam through Pearson View. So you're going to select the specific testing center at the time that you schedule the exam online. Make sure that it makes sense to you, like, like pick out the right testing center. Figure out if you can drive there the same day as the exam. Take traffic into consideration. Uh, you know, you may have to get a hotel in the town where the exam is going to run in order for it to make sense for you to get there. So uh, my biggest tip with the Pearson View Testing Centers is for you to go find the testing center before the date of your exam. Like physically drive there. Don't just Google map it. These testing centers are classically hard to find and are either tucked away in some random strip mall or buried deep within a nondescript office building. So drive to the actual building, figure out which parking lot to use, which door to enter, find the elevator, take the elevator, find the office, go inside the testing center, talk to the receptionist. They are probably looking for a little social interaction, you know, so introduce yourself, you know, ask them to explain the process uh, for exam day to you. Ask to see the testing room if you can. Uh, then, then go find the nearest bathroom outside of the testing center so that you can use that to vomit right before your board exam. <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. Uh, but seriously, this is my first and one of the biggest tips about the whole board process that, that I'm going to give you. Physically go to the testing center ahead of time. It will dramatically reduce your stress the day of the exam. You don't want to be late because you don't know where you're going. In fact, if you're more than 15 minutes late to your scheduled testing time, you forfeit your registration fee and have to do the whole process over again. So a couple other tips about the Pearson View Testing Centers. Wear comfortable clothes, bring a light jacket. If it's 95 degrees and sunny outside, highly likely that it could be like 64 degrees and chilly in the testing center. So plan to be comfortable. Uh, know that there will be other test takers in the testing room taking other kinds of exams, some with lots of keyboard typing required. So think back to like writing essays for the GRE. You might have associated noise in the room as other people hammer out on their keyboards and take their other exams. The testing center should have earplugs available for you, but obviously you're not going to be able to have your phone or earbuds or play music or anything like that with you. On testing day, you're going to need to bring two forms of ID. One will be a government-issued uh, photo ID, and both forms need to have your signature on them. So stuff like your driver's license, passport, state and military IDs all count for the first, and then employee and school IDs or any combo of two government IDs could count as the second. The name you use to register for the exam has to match what's on your IDs. So don't use a nickname when you're registering for the exam. Also, an odd fact when you register for the actual board exam is that you must submit a color passport photo to the NBCRNA that was taken within six months of when you apply for the exam. So it's kind of a weird little thing, but like, you know, it's not hard to get one, but you know, it's another hoop you got to jump through in order to get ready for the board exam. So let's talk about how SRNAs typically do on these tests. Then we'll talk about how to actually prepare for the C and the NCE specifically. So C scores typically go up with each year of the program. NBCRNA publishes all of this data. So uh, year, I think this is scored on 900 points total and you know, passing rate for the board exam is 450. Year one of anesthesia programs, SRNAs on average score a 399 on the C. Year two, they score 412. Year three, they score a 432. Obviously there's a standard deviation. There's a range in there, but that's the average. And the overall average is 425 on the exam. And C scores do correlate with first time pass rates on the board exam. So for those who passed the board exam on the first time that they took it, their average C score when they took the C was 443. Those who failed the board exam the first time they took it, their average C score was 412. So keep that in mind, 443 for first time pass rates on the NCE, 412 on average for those who failed when they went to go take the board exam. So wherever you are with your C-score, you may need to put some additional work in in order to really get ready for that board exam. So let's look at how people actually do on the board exam. So first-time test takers, uh, about 84% of those pass the exam the first time they take the exam, and 16% of people fail boards the first time they take the exam. It's kind of a high fail rate if you think about it. And then for repeat candidates, 61% of repeat test takers pass the board exam, and then the failure rate goes up to 38%, or 38.8% specifically. So, you know, that's that's not uh, really surprising uh, that more people fail on, on a repeat. It's actually kind of, 
encouraging to me to see that 61% of people who failed boards the first time actually come back and pass the uh, test when they repeat boards. I think that's a remarkable rebound, and we're going to talk a little bit more about what to do if you fail here in just a minute. Now, within the anesthesia community, there's an odd point that SRNAs like to brag about or conversely feel anxiety about, and that's whether or not you pass boards in 100 questions. NBCRDA does track stats on this, which I'm going to share with you, but first I want to say that this tidbit does not matter in the grand scheme of things. Just like no one really cares, I don't mean to be too crazy here, but no one really cares what school you go to after you're finished in your CRNA, you know, except to connect around shared experiences like, oh, you're from there or, you know, people, you know, or whatever, you know, people just want you to be a CRNA. They want you to be a good CRNA. It doesn't matter if you go to an Ivy league school or state school or whatever. And similarly, no one cares if you pass the board in a hundred questions, or even if you had to take the exam more than once, once you're a CRNA, those things don't really matter. People care if you're a good coworker, if you're a competent CRNA, if you're safe, and if you're continuing to learn and improve your skills. But just in case you're curious, NBCRNA does publish stats on this. So for those who pass in 70 items, it's about 60% of SRNAs. Those who pass in 71 to 140 items is 13%. And those who pass in 140 items is 11%. So remember, there's 30 practice questions that aren't graded. So that's where NBCRNA is getting those numbers. In other words, the exam is going to shut off after 100 questions for 60% of SRNAs who will pass it in 100 questions, and about 11% of SRNAs are going to take it all the way to the end, to 170 questions. So again, I highly encourage you, if you crush it in 100 questions, keep that to yourself while other folks are still waiting to test. There's no need to brag about it or rub it in and needlessly create anxiety for you know your colleagues. After you and your buddies are all done with the test, sure, you know, brag about how few questions you took it in and then go get your job and be a good CRNA. NBCRNA tracks all kinds of other data around the C and NCE if you want to go read annual reports and find out more. They track data around age, gender, the type of program you attended, and the, even the kind of critical care background SRNAs have when they come and take these tests. It's true that younger SRNAs tend to do better than older SRNAs in the exam, with those under 30 years old having the highest first-time pass rate, those over 40 years old having a lower respective pass rate. So the specific number is if you're under 30, about 89.6% of individuals will pass the first time, and that goes down to a low of 73.6% of individuals passing boards if you're over 40. So again, that doesn't mean that you know, you're know you guaranteed to pass if you're a young SRNA and you're guaranteed to fail if you're an old SRNA, but it should you know maybe tune you in if you are of you know advanced graduate student age that you know maybe you need to think about your approach to the exam and getting back in the swing of taking standardized tests. It may have been a while since you've done that. So let's talk about how to approach each of these exams. With the C, you've got two options based upon your program requirements. If your program does not require you to get a certain score in order to graduate, I highly recommend that you just go take the exam. Don't put a ton of effort into studying ahead of time. Grad school is super busy, so don't stress out over the C if you're not required to get a certain score. Just go, just go take it. Just see where you're at. Uh, the NBCRNA says that there's three goals for the C. It's to help you gauge your progress in the program, to help program faculty gauge the efficacy of their programs, 
and then to help you prepare for the actual board exam. So for SRNAs, the two goals are really just to gauge where you're at uh, and what you know, and then to help you prepare for the real board exam. The C is very similar to the NCE in terms of the actual exam and the testing environment. It's a difficult test that takes several hours to complete, and it's mentally exhausting. So just taking the test is a great way to gauge how you work in a standardized testing environment. But if you're not required to hit a certain mark by your program on the first time through, I wouldn't stress about it. Just go take it and see where you're at. Did you see what I did there? (laughs) Uh, But if they do require a minimum score, then you need to approach it a bit more like the board exam. The local university I work with as a clinical coordinator requires their SRNAs to take the exam twice and to get a minimum score of 425 on the second attempt. So I encourage these SRNAs to just go take the exam the first time and see where they're at. Then, uh, you know, to know that their scores tend to go up with each year of progress in a program. But the second time around, it's time to start building a concerted study plan and actually gear up for it. So one of the SRNAs I work with is actually taking a Valley Review course this weekend. And her plan is to take the C at the end of this coming week. So she's hammering Valley this weekend, taking the C next weekend. And then she plans to graduate. This is coming out in May. She plans to graduate in August. So let's talk about how to create that concerted study plan. And this advice generally applies to both the CE and the NCE. First, give yourself plenty of time to prepare and study. These are not exams that you can just cram a couple weeks out for. The incredible breadth and depth of knowledge that you must be able to actively recall requires you to build your mental capacity in a way that's very similar to an athlete building physical strength or endurance for some epic event. It takes time to develop and build that capacity and maintain a voluminous amount of information on recall. And this is where the movie Psalm comes in. It captures that kind of effort perfectly. In episode 14 of Anesthesia Guidebook, I talked with Lieutenant Colonel Peter Struby about how to prepare for boards. Dr. Struby is a retired Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Army with active duty deployments as a CRNA to Iraq and Afghanistan. And he's also the Assistant Program Director at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. And most importantly for this point of the conversation, he runs a board prep mentorship company. He's probably coached more SRNAs who have failed boards than anyone in the nation. SRNAs often connect with him after they fail boards, but he offers his mentoring and tutoring services to SRNAs who are actively working in anesthesia programs. Interestingly, he doesn't charge for any of his services until 90 days after you pass boards. So even if you fail boards, you still don't owe him for his tutoring services until after you pass boards. So you can sign up to work with him literally the day you enter a program and not pay a dime until after you pass boards and start making money. In episode 14, we talk at length about how to prepare for boards and recover if you fail. He recommends that you spend four to six weeks of full-time dedicated studying to prepare for boards. And if you fail, seven to 10 days for every 10 points off 450 that you score on the board exam. So remember, 450 is the passing number that you have to get. And for every 10 points off of that score, he recommends an additional seven to 10 days of concerted study effort before you go retake the exam. 
To prepare for the C, I recommend something similar. Even though you won't be able to solely focus on the exam because you're still in school and clinical, but I recommend that you start a concerted effort to study probably four to six weeks out if you have to meet a specific score in order to graduate. This is on top of what you're already doing just to get by in school. So ideally, go take a look at the content outlines for both tests early, like as early as possible in your program, like as soon as you're done with this podcast. Start building a study plan that hits on every bullet point you find in the content outlines. If you're a flashcard kind of person, you should have flashcards for all 43 categories of drugs that are on the list, not just the stuff that you see and use frequently in clinical. If you're not hitting every bullet point in your study plan that's on the content outlines, you're opening yourself up to content that you may not have prepared for. And as the saying goes, don't be upset if you don't get the results that you didn't put the work in to achieve. Definitely plan to use a third-party digital study resource like Apex or Prodigy. Both of these services cost around 500 bucks for a four-year subscription, which pays for itself if you don't have to take the board exam twice. Y'all smelling what I'm stepping in with that. So if you're on the fence about purchasing something like a third-party study resource or even a review course like Valley that costs about 800 bucks for a three-day review course, ultimately the cost is worth it when you pass boards the first time and you don't have to repeat the board exam, which costs $995. And the cost is also a drop in the bucket compared to the financial gain you're going to realize as a CRNA. So it's totally a wash if you end up taking boards once. And again, you aren't delayed in starting your job by having to retake the test and push off those first paychecks by several months. So plan to figure out either a review course or some sort of third-party study guide if you haven't already. The digital study resources like Apex and Prodigy have exam modes built into them where you can take questions without having the correct answers pop up immediately. And this is a huge tip I want to share with you right now. Plan to take practice tests ahead of the C and NCE in settings that mimic what you will experience in both of those exams. The C is 240 questions. That's a lot. The NCE is a minimum of 100 questions with a max of 170. Both exams are offered in a very like sterile, dry testing environment where you don't have music, snacks, water, notes, your phone, or any references available. You just have to sit there and take questions for two to three hours without knowing how you're scoring on the exam. So set up a similar environment as you train for these tests. It's not just about learning the information and having that on lockdown. It's also important to prepare for the actual exam experience. It's a stressful environment that's mentally exhausting to just take questions for two to three hours at a time. You need to train for that kind of environment and experience. If you do, the C and NCE will seem more familiar to you when you're actually there. So plan those experiences ahead of time. Reserve a study room at your university or library for several hours and go there with the explicit intent to just practice taking questions. Don't have your notes, book, or phone out as a reference guide. Take a blank sheet of paper and a pencil to write things down with. Put your computer in exam mode. Don't have snacks and water out. Don't listen to music. Turn your phone on. Do not disturb. Train for the experience you're going to have in the real exams, and you're going to be better prepared for them. It's not real fun to think about like training to improve on taking exams, but taking a test is a skill just like learning to put IVs in or write quality papers. You're probably going to suck at it at first, <laughs> but you can improve 
your performance on taking standardized tests if you actually train to take standardized tests. So on that note, here's some specific exam taking tips. Read the questions carefully. Remember, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. If you're used to taking tests in practice modes like I just described, you're going to become more efficient at working through 170 to 240 questions in the allowed time of three to four hours. You're going to have plenty of time to answer the questions, so take your time. Read the questions carefully. With some questions, you'll read the stem first and then the answers. With others, you may want to go read the answers first and have an understanding of what the possible selections are before you read the stem or the actual question. That way you can hone in on what you're looking for as you read the question. With multiple select questions where you have multiple options and you have to group them together, you need to identify patterns and group those options that go together. You may not know what every answer is. Like you're gonna have like you know up to six to eight answers. You may not know all of those things, but can you identify and group things together? And then you can more easily eliminate options that don't make sense. And then realize that for hotspot questions, you're going to be asked to identify physical structures from anatomy and physiology. The NBCRNA provides a bibliography of the textbooks that they pull information from to develop the test questions. So that's on their website. It's like 16 to 18 textbooks, somewhere around in there. And I can't say for sure since I'm, one, not an exam writer, two, it's been about seven years since I've taken this test, and three, I wouldn't be able to disclose this kind of intel to you anyway, but there's probably a good chance that the images that the NBCRNA is using on this C and the NCE for hotspot questions may come out of one of these textbooks or a combination of these textbooks that are in their bibliography. So go look at the pictures and diagrams from these books. Uh, even if you're not going to read the whole textbooks, flip through and look at the pictures at least and you know understand that and imagine you know taking an exam where you just get the picture and it says identify this nerve, identify this muscle, identify this structure, and you got to drop an X on the spot. So remember to pace yourself during the exam and manage your breathing and anxiety. There's going to be things you don't know, and that's fine. You need to be able to maintain your focus and confidence as you work through the exam. There's lots of exam coaching techniques available on the internet webs that can help you prepare for managing anxiety during a standardized test. One of the techniques is to control your breathing. So use boxed breathing to slow your heart rate down and relax. Take a deep breath in over four seconds. Hold that for four seconds. Exhale for four seconds. Hold that for four seconds. Take another deep breath in over four seconds. So it's like breathing around the four sides of a box. Inhale, hold, exhale, hold, inhale, hold, exhale, hold, etc. And that will help calm your heart rate down. And if your heart rate slows down, You'll be able to think more clearly and be able to comprehend uh, the exam questions better and not get kind of in a spiral of anxiety. All right, so the last thing I would say about exam prep is specifically for the NCE. I would echo what Peter Struby recommends that you plan to take four to six weeks to prepare for dedicated studying. Now, some folks can ramp up during the last six months of school and pass boards without taking this much dedicated studying time after you graduate. That's totally fine. You're going to figure out what works for you. For me, when I was in training, our program ended in May, but we stopped going to clinical at the end of March. 
the school gave us the entire month of April to study for boards. I'm not sure if WCU still does this, but at the time, we were required to come into the university during the month of April and sign in with the admin specialist for at least four eight-hour days each week during that month. The other three days were up to us to study on our own. Now, my wife and I, she was my fiance at the time. We, at the time, for that month, we put in 10 to 12-hour study days, six days a week. And on the seventh day, we would do a light day of like three to four hours, maybe a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the evening, and take a good part of the day off to relax and like have some downtime. And there's no hyperbole in me talking to you about this. Like we legit did 10 to 12 hours of dedicated studying a day. You can't just like show up and do that. Like you have to mentally train into being able to focus for that long each day. So we changed how we studied, uh, you know, during those days, because literally like you can't take practice questions for that many hours a day or your eyeballs are going to fall out of your head. So we would often quiz each other. One of us would shut our books down, shut our notes down, turn our computers off, just, you know, sit in a chair, sit on the couch. And the other person would have everything spread out and just pepper questions at us. And that's when you really understand whether or not you know something. It's, it's one thing if you can kind of like out of the corner of your eye, eyeball your notes or you know, remember your color patterns from all of your beautiful highlighting or note cards or whatever, you know, if you can kind of see those things, you can pull questions out. But if, if you shut all that down and put all that away and then get peppered with questions, you will find out whether or not you know those things. So that was the one technique that really helped us. But the point of the matter is that we legit put in four weeks of 10 to 12 hours a day with three to four hours on that seventh day. And uh, I'd say we felt pretty prepared for the test. We both passed it the first time, but it legit like it. It was it, it was a huge lift. It was just an incredible amount of time. It was one of the hardest. You know, you're exhausted at the end of your program, and then you have to rally and begin studying. I can remember, you know, one of the one of the students from the local program. They don't give their SRNAs time off to study for boards. So you graduate like you're you're in clinical forty hours a week right up to the day that you graduate, and then you're done. And she was talking about her kids. We did a podcast. Um, this was Lynn Wooden. So Lynn and Nate Wooden, you can go back and find that podcast on Anesthesia Guidebook. But she was saying that, you know, they had all these micro celebrations, but it was hard for her kids because, you know, she took her last big test of her program and that was a celebration, you know, mommy's last test. And then mommy graduated and they went to graduation. They went out to eat and they celebrated. But then the studying ramped back up and she was putting in those super long days and her kids were like, well, you know, I thought that you were done. And she's like, well, I've got one more big test coming up that I got to get through. And then when she was done, done with board, she was done. But it's hard when you're mentally and physically exhausted at the end of the program to then rally and actually start putting in the time to prepare for boards, but it's worth it. And I want, I want you to hear this. There is no amount of time that you will put in to preparing for the board exam that you will regret when you pass. You tracking with me? Picking up when I'm laying down, smelling when I'm stepping in? When you pass boards, you're gonna look back on the time that you put in and you say, yeah, it was worth it, I passed. If you don't pass boards, you were going to question what you did wrong, why you didn't prepare well enough. So just remember that, there's no amount of time, there's no amount of effort that you're going to put into preparing for this exam that you're going to regret once you get that past paper printed off the, the printer at the end of your exam. 
it's all going to be worth it. All right, so let's talk about results. Real quick on the C. When you get your C results, you're going to receive an overall score as well as breakouts for each of the content areas. And that's going to help you study and gauge what you need to work on for boards. For the actual board exam, if you pass, you're going to get a printout right at the testing center that says so. It's the best feeling you're ever going to have. It's one of the best feelings you're ever going to have. The printout will also, of course, let you know if you failed. If you pass, though, that's all you get. Your official results from the NBCRNA are going to come in email about two to four weeks later, but you won't ever see your actual score. Your program director will have access to that so they can gauge you know, how good their program did for all of the SRNAs and what they scored on boards. But the NBCRNA does not release your actual score uh, publicly because they don't want that score to be used inappropriately, you know, perhaps by employers who may discriminate candidates by exam scores, you know, saying we only want the top exam scores as CRNAs at our shop. Uh, if you fail boards, you will receive notice at the exam center, and then you will also receive a score breakdown by mail from the NBCRNA of an overall score and your scores per category so that you can plan your approach to retake boards later. If you fail, I highly encourage you to reach out to a professional CRNA tutor like Peter Strebe to plan your approach to retaking boards. You got to do something different. Don't expect to get a different result by doing the same thing that you did to prepare the first time. And just hear me right now that failing boards is no marker on whether or not you're going to be a good CRNA. You will be a good CRNA if you decide to be a good CRNA. I've met folks who fail boards that are excellent CRNAs, chief CRNAs, educators, professors, clinical coordinators, uh, absolute ballers. The board exam is just a hurdle that you have to get over. And if you get crushed by it the first time, do not despair. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and get a new study plan together to approach the exam more effectively the next time. So when you're in the exam room and boards, you take the test and it shuts off. It's going to shut off any point between 100 and 170 questions. You're not done yet. You still have to fill out that quick survey at the end before you're totally done. But when it shuts off and you fill out that survey, tell yourself right then before you get up, you are going to be a CRNA one way or the other. You are proud of the work you put in. It has been worth it. And regardless of what that printout says, you're going to be a CRNA, even if you have to retake the exam. Then go get your paper. Now, when I got mine, here's, here's the deal. A little story as we end. When you're done with your exam, thing prints out at the, at the receptionist's desk. They're supposed to take that paper off the uh, printer and just hand it to you. They don't even know what test you're taking. They hand you that test. They hand you your printout, and then you look at it, and you figure out if you want to cry or jump up and down or whatever. I've had SRNAs who fold the thing up and go home. They don't even look at it. <laughs> it blows my mind. I've totally had SRNAs who, like, they don't look at it till later that night or the next day. I don't, I don't even understand that. So here's what happened with mine. I go out. We're at this little podunk testing center in rural western North Carolina. And uh, Kristen, my fiance, had already taken her boards, had passed the first time. She took it two days before me and was just chilling. And I, she took it on Monday. I took mine on a Wednesday. She was chilling those two days, drinking wine, had her feet up, checking her phone, watching Netflix. I don't know, whatever. And I was like so nauseous. I was about to vomit for like two days straight, you know, trying to study. We were engaged and I was like, if I don't pass this test, her family's going to think like, who is this hoodlum that she got engaged to? I got to pass this test. And so 
when I finished the exam, the exam was excruciating, both the C and the NCE I took. And I was like, have I learned nothing in anesthesia school? I, I was got bulldozed by both exams. And, uh, I took my boards the first time, the only time I took them, I walked out of the exam room and the woman, she, she picks up the paper and instead of just handing it to me, she looks at it. She flips it over and looks at it and like reads, reads the sheet of paper. I can't see it. She reads the sheet of paper and she's still holding it. And then she looks at me, she looks up, she looks at me and then she takes the paper and slides it across the desk to me, like without breaking eye contact. And I'm like, what, what is this about? I was like, this woman knows my fate. She knows whether or not I passed or failed. And she's just, she's like entertaining herself right now. She's going to watch. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I flipped it over and it said pass. And I, I was so stoked. Uh, Kristen was there. We were jumping up and down. We, we were so pumped. We were so relieved. There's not a better feeling that you're going to have in the whole, I mean, intubating your first patient is pretty, pretty amazing. You're going to have ups and downs throughout grad school. But when you get that paper that says pass, it is amazing. Uh, send it to me, shoot me an email with it, tag me on social media, anesthesia guidebook with your past paper. I would love to see it. And I hope that this podcast has helped you think about the C and the NCE and get a plan together. And with that, I'll see you next time. Hey y'all, John here. If you're digging the show, will you take a couple of minutes and drop a review of anesthesia guidebook on Apple podcast? Your comments and ratings help other people trust the show. Also, send a link to the podcast to your classmates and colleagues. Word of mouth is the best way for Guidebook to grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.